Hello, you are listening to the Omnitalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with Microsoft, the A&M Consumer and Retail Group, Takeoff, and Sezzle. The Yami Talk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week too. Today is February 3rd. I'm your host, Anne Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. In his COVID quarantine. And we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omni-channel retailing this week. Chris, COVID can't keep us down. We're still going to bring people the retail news. But readers and listeners want to know, how are you doing? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah, for those that were probably wondering last week why you why you were in Palm Springs and I was back, or you were still in Vegas and I left to come back to Minneapolis. Yeah, that was the reason. So my, my, my son caught it last week and came home to take care of him. And then unfortunately, yeah, I found out on on Tuesday that I have it too, but, uh, you know, soldier on and, you know, yeah. feeling, feeling okay so far, you know, boosted vax the whole nine yards. So feeling okay on that front and, you know, fingers crossed, you know, stroke thing last summer is a little bit of a odd feeling from an anxiety perspective with it going on, but you know, so far soldier on and here to bring the Omni talk fans, what they love. And I think what you and I enjoy doing the most each and every week, which is this fast five podcast. So I mean, so retail I'm, I'm excited is to get the to cure it. That, that cures all right. I mean, what, what, what could make you feel better than just talking about retail news for a couple of minutes? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Retail news is my life and a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right, let's jam to it. Let's get to it. So in today's right. fast five, we've got news on Petco, Albertsons, instant delivery profit. But first we are going to take off with Walmart capturing headlines at number one and number two this week. And which a I think might be a first time ever. Yeah. So, why don't you take the honors? All right, you guys. So headline number one, Walmart is mandating that all home goods suppliers tag their products with RFID tags by September of this year. So according to the RFID journal, the mandate includes home goods products, as well as some hard lines like hardware and automotive products and entertainment and toys. The move comes on the heels of work that they started back in 2020 when Walmart began using RFID to track apparel. Chris, big news here. Yes. And I think I actually think so. Yeah. I think, I think this is the biggest headline of the year in 2022 so far. I mean, we're oh. like four weeks or five weeks into it. Right. Like, I, I don't feel know like you much. might say that at least I, once a month. I do. I, we're I, well, only in the second month. So, well, I okay. know for a fact, I say it like around this time every year, <laughs> because I think last year it was clever on making a similar announcement, like in January with Albertsons, but, uh, okay. but no, okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I, that's why I do it. I mean, I say it every month because it's, we're tracking it. Right. You know, that's what right. we do. I, I think this is huge. Um, First, I want to say great coverage to RFID Journal on this story. Like, this is the type of retail journalism I like to read. It was very in-depth, very thoughtful in how it articulated what was all going on. Um, so You don't give those kudos very often, so RFID I Journal. I don't. And there's another article here where I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going sure, to do the exact sure. opposite in headline number five, if you guys want to stick around for that one. But, um, you know, from my perspective... I think this moves big for a couple of reasons. I mean, I, I really believe this is a big, big headline. Um, yeah. First off, it's a smart thing to do. As Brendan Witcher of Forrester, who I just got the chance to interview on a Manhattan podcast that's going to be released soon. Um, you know, RFID previously, the use case was hard to find. Like it was all mostly about inventory accuracy and it was hard to find. It, it was hard for that use case to land in the mind of retailers. But now it's tapping into multiple business use cases like 
In addition to inventory accuracy, the ability to ship from store better, the ability to do better curbside pickup, better inventory forecasting amid all the supply chain crises, crises that are going on around us. Um, so that makes sense. But then the second thing that's important about this story is it's Walmart. It's freaking Walmart, yeah. and So the right. industry has to take notice of this. And the other point that I would add, if I was to put a, a subtle point 2B or even point 0.3 on this is... <laughs> I think it begins to take some of the home furnishings business back from e-commerce. You know who doesn't like this move, in my opinion, is Wayfair. Because now things like soft goods, like sheets, towels, things of that nature are now more accessible to the average consumer. Because think about it. You, if you need to replenish your towels, you need to buy like one-off towel. You're not going to pay shipping for that. Like a $10 towel, you're not going to sure. pay shipping for that. So now Walmart can offer that via curbside pickup ship from store in a much more economical way than it had in the past. So it's making the home furnishings industry more accessible by way of mass merchandising stores. I expect Target to follow suit. So yeah, net net, given everything I just said, love it. But what do you think? I think it's hilarious that you said that inventory accuracy was not important at one point in time. Like that it's it right, wasn't I enough know, right? of a use case. Yeah, for it wasn't our, enough, but, right? Right. That's because important. now, I mean, that's number one. I mean, the last you know, two years, especially since the pandemic started, that's been like the number one thing that retailers have been trying to get a handle on. And so I agree. I think this is a a big move in the right direction for Walmart. And we'll have a lot of, you know, follow through from other retailers that, you know, not only, you know, makes these suppliers have to conform now, if there were suppliers who were still kind of holding out, or, I mean, I'm sure they're not happy about this because it's added costs for them, but the costs have dropped dramatically since, you know, Walmart first did this in 2005. And I think, you know, as it's required by more retailers, it just makes sense. But ultimately this helps all, all of the operations for, Walmart or any other retailers and it results, um, you know, better shopping experience for the millions of Walmart shoppers. So I'm all in on it. Yeah. My net net takeaway is it puts home furnishings on the map from a convenience perspective in a different way. Like we've talked about this a lot. Convenience isn't just about speed to ship. It's about getting it on your schedule and stores are a fundamental part of that. And home mm-hmm. furnishings have never been able to be that in the same way that like apparel at has been because of what Walmart's done, what Target's done within their buy online, pick up and store curbside capabilities. Now home furnishings has got a place in that roadmap. And that's that's important for the long-term strategically. All right, headline number two, and we come back to Walmart on this one. Walmart has rolled out a new store format, Anne. Yes, I know you're excited to hear about this. Very, very so, excited. Very, right? Very. You're waiting with bated breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Chain Store Age, Walmart this past week unveiled a new experience at its what it's calling incubator store in Springdale, Arkansas. Highlights Do you think the- that the people at Springdale, Arkansas are like, oh, yeah, now we're an incubator store? Oh, 100 percent they, like they are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the store manager at that is taking so much credit for that one because his job, his or her job probably sucks like big time because the the the. HQ team is probably in there like every single day bugging them about something, but you know, he's taking credit for that because he needs the mileage and they probably put somebody in there that, you know, kind of likes to play up to that aspect of things. But, and highlights highlights of the design include a cornucopia of what I would call buzzwords, including phrases like activated corners, which pull customers in and help them touch, feel, and become a part of the space, allowing them to discover and all that is available or things like, Elevated brand shops, or my personal favorite, Anne, digital touch points that use QR codes and digital screens to convey to customers the vast range of products and services that Walmart offers online. 
Now, Ann, I'm guessing you can probably tell by how I just read all of that information, what I think of this, but where are you on it? Yeah. Uh, you know, if I'm a mom in Springdale, Arkansas, and I'm shopping, I do not care about activated corners. I'm sorry. I think that this is all fine and good. But the other thing, this is being so closely compared to Walmart trying to go after Target. But I think that the most important thing for Walmart to be focusing on here is the convenience aspect. Like it, Target does offer a beautiful store experience, but in addition, they're offering flawlessly convenient exp- shopping experiences on my terms. Like we just said in the last story, yeah. the way that I want it. I'm all for like polishing up a store and making it look better, but you have over twice as many Walmart stores as you do Target stores. So the idea that this is going to actually roll out to other stores that aren't in Springdale, Arkansas, and look this way, it's its just not going to pay off the investment, I don't think, for the customers. So I'm much longer on the first story that we covered about RFID implementation, better 100%. inventory accuracy, and using things like that to really enhance the customer experience. I don't think a few like tweaks to the design is going to be what I would be focusing right on right now if I was Walmart. 100%. And you, you are hitting on something we've talked about a lot on the show that loyal listeners will, will remember, which is business models are business models for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll t- explain what I mean in a second. But like, this reminds me eerily, and I'm sure it does the Walmart leadership too, of for those of you old enough to remember, Project Impact circle, circa 2009, which was put in place by John Fleming, who was ex-Target at the time, whose charge was to make Walmart work and act more like a Target store. So they did a lot of skew rasterization, they cleaned out the aisles, made things more beautiful, took items off the shelves. And the reason that's a problem is because that's not how Walmart's model is built. Walmart's model is built on a low price promise of moving through a lot of units in a hell of a lot of stores for almost 5,000 plus as often as they can. Right. So when you start clearing away, you know, what did, what did, what did, what I forgot what they even called it, and you made from activated corners, yeah. right? To take products away, that potentially is going to impact the business model the same way they saw 10, 15 years ago. And to your point, Ann, did you see those pictures on in the article? If you guys listening haven't seen these pictures, you got to look at them of the home furnishings activated corners. There is no goddamn way those will look like that at scale. No, there's just no chance. And I bet you, I would almost bet my bottom dollar that they don't even look like that in Springdale right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've the, done and, this. I've tried to right. do this. It's very hard. Go ahead. Right. And I was just going to say the, even the way that they're merchandising those, it's still full of merchandise, like the gap home thing that they have in there. It's still like piles and piles of sheets in that space. So it's like, just there's, you got to find the happy medium. you got to figure out, you know, ultimately how can you make that experience so convenient? How can you move through the units? And this is not like you're saying, Chris. Yeah. But, but with that said, Ann, I'm still, I'm not going to poo-poo this because I haven't seen it. I'm not going to be one yes. of those, I'm not going to be one of the pundits that's pray. There's a lot of people praising it who haven't yeah. seen it. And I'm not going to be one that's like, this is absolutely a bad idea. Or we shouldn't read that much into it. I want to go see it. And so mm-hmm. I think we need to make a trip down to Springdale as yes. soon as we can Ann, and try to see it with our own eyes. Cause I think that's the fair thing to do. But the questions I have on the table are what I'm going to be evaluating when and if we make that trip. Agreed. I am with you. We will make the trip down to Arkansas. Um, 
also probably should make the trip to a few other Walmart stores once they roll this out in more than one store too. Yeah, so. right. That's that's also a great indication. Right. Point. All right, let's move on to headline number three. So Albertsons is deploying a fresh AI tech across all 2000 stores to help them reduce food waste. So according to Grocery Dive, the a fresh technology allows grocers to determine how much of a fruit or vegetable to order by crunching a variety of data points reflecting store level customer demand uh, historical sales data and perishability. So um, Albertsons has made this commitment to reduce food waste by up to 50% with this technology by 2030. And Chris, last week I got put on the spot. This week, you're going to get put on the spot and it's coming, right? You got now. put on the spot like two weeks, three weeks in a row. I loved it. Yeah, it yeah, it was not. Uh, yes. Uh, well, <laughs> now it's your turn. Um, the question comes to you from A&M today. Um, this is that grocery fresh produce looks to have received another big boost on the heels of last week's announcement that Walmart's financial backing and partnership with vertical farming producer Plenty is now in action. So given the high growth rate of fresh produce and how it forms consumer impressions of the overall store, driving fresher products and cutting back on the historical seven to 8% spoilage rate in this category, Chris, can you get more excited about this partnership with Albertsons and a fresh than the Albertsons AI salad bar? Oh, awesome. That's a great ending to that question. Wow. Um, yeah, a lot. I love that. Loyal listeners. Yes. Inquiring minds want to know AM. Yes. One, thank you for your continued support and listening to the show that closely. That's why we love working <laughs> with you guys. Um, yes, the AI salad bar. It's, it's a great reference point to this because yes, the AI salad bar, like I said, like probably not a whole hell of a lot of AI going on there really at the end of the day, you know, maybe to some degree, but you know, we still thought it was cool ultimately at the end of the day, what they're trying to do and, and the rationale behind it. But this is different. And this to me, this is big. So I would answer that question by a hundred percent. I think this is, I agree with you. I agree with what AM is basically putting forward that the idea here that you can capture that type of bottom line savings is huge. And it reminds me of my biggest takeaway, which I've talked about a couple of times already and continue to talk about in conversation I'm having with people, which is my biggest takeaway from NRF was around when it comes to AI and even process automation more broadly, is it works best when it can be inserted into standard processes being done over and over again. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes where subjective decision-making is also involved. And this is the perfect use case for that. We're talking about perishables ordering. Like, right. I bet at a lot of retailers, especially grocers, perishable ordering is done by sometimes the high school kid in the afternoon who's looking over everything and being like, oh, I think we need another carton of uh, spinach here, And Yeah, the weather looks good for 4th of July, so right. let's order more hot dogs. Like, Right, yeah. And how much more should I need? Well, let's get 25 cartons of them. You know, like it, it's, it's all subjective. And so like the fact that somebody is doing this makes a ton of sense. Explains why a little bit like Chris Rupp, when she interviewed us, was a little coy on where she was going with AI next because she had this waiting around the corner and didn't want to spill the beans on it, I'm guessing. But uh, but yeah, so like net net, I think it's a great move. And I think you'll see based on the track record that Afresh is having, another James McCann uh, advised company, by the way, for those that follow our show pretty closely, um, they're, they're, this company is one to watch. And I think you'll see more of these announcements from other grocers to follow on. 
Yeah, I, I agree, Chris. Not much more to add here. I mean, everybody wins in the scenario. Albertson saves money on and time with labor um, and reducing food waste by half. That's that's significant um, within the next few years. So that's a, that's like a big said, damn goal that they it, have to hit. Yeah, that's, it is. That's it this is. is one part of that for sure. But that's a big audacious goal. Kudos to that. Right. Right. And I think, you know, we, like you said, we talked to Chris Rupp, they're using AI for everything from, you know, substitutions for customers to salad bars. But this really seems to be one that, um, that they should be focusing on and highlighting as a top use case for AI. Yeah. Any benefit flows to the bottom line because it's all yep. spoilage, you know, at the end of the day, you know, rot that you're just trying to limit, you know, and it makes mm-hmm. sense. All right, so headline number four, continuing to roll on here. According to CNBC, Lowe's will soon test a new offering, and that offering is a Petco shop inside its stores where customers can buy dog food and cat litter and even visit with a vet, which I thought was really interesting, while shopping for paint and other supplies for home projects. The two retailers announced a deal this past Thursday, the pilot the store and store locations, the first one will open near San Antonio in early February. So right around the corner yeah. uh, with 14 additional locations planned in Texas, North Carolina and South Carolina by the end of March. That's pretty rapid deployment. Uh, Petco chief merchandising officer, Nick Konat. And a, hey, by Nick. Way, yeah, a huge fan of Talk, a former colleague of mine at Target who I've known for now 15 plus years, said he expects the shops will especially resonate with DIY inclined millennials. During the pandemic, many of those 20 and 30-somethings led the way with what they quote-unquote called nesting trends as they brought, bought homes or moved into bigger places, adopted cats or dogs, and in some cases saw pets, as I love this, as a trial run, in quotes, before having children. And are you cat licking this one off the stoop? Yes, I think trial runs for pet. Getting a pet before a child is, is probably a good idea. Um, what happens to that pet, however, once the kids come? That's where that's where the, the rubber oh, it really still takes the, the precedence. I can yes. Ginsburg can attest to that that she's yes. the number one priority in the family. Yes. Okay. Um, well, here's the deal. This is not new. I mean, we've been seeing Ooh, retailers like Menards and Fleet Farm and other farm and fleet stores that have been doing this for years. I mean, some of them, even in addition to pet and home supplies, home improvement supplies, they even have groceries um, if we're talking Menards. So I have to say, (laughs) hey, wrapping paper, burnt peanuts, you get everything you want in that store. Um, Christmas trees, you know? But anyway, I, I do think though that this is a great experiment from two of the most predominant players in the space. It saves people the trip. Um, But I I have to say, I think merchandising is going to be really key here. We need Lowe's to figure out what assortment still saves the trip to the pet store. Obviously, pet food is a huge category there. Um, But then how do you build a model with this shop and shop concept that can adapt and evolve quickly to the needs of individual stores? Like, you know, it's it's essentially you're you're managing now two stores and two sets of inventory. So how do you kind of figure out what that right mix is and stay flexible there? Um, So, Chris, I don't know. Are you you have a you have a pet so i think that still, i'm still i'm still trying to figure out what the hell burnt peanuts are and what what the hell oh is my that? god it's the best <laughs> thing that a reference to the best thing you can buy at a menards or fleet farm or farm and fleet store they're like the candy coated peanuts oh oh right 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 okay got yeah. it got it i'm with yeah. you now. oh yeah those are tasty those are quite oh, delicious, those are like wonderful yes. this is the type of insight that, you get on talk on about a trip time. driver that yes, that's right a trip yeah driver. that would get my burnt burnt nuts get me into whatever store i can think of <laughs> absolutely um all right so my take on this when i first saw it i loved it you know um i love the rationale i thought it was the perfect marriage here 
Totally agree with the nesting comment of the younger generation and the pets as trial kids. I've been saying pets as trial kids for like 30 years. Um, and it does make the whole weekend trip to Lowe's that much more convenient if you can do all that stuff. You know, it, it gives the whole one-stop shop atmosphere to why you go to a physical store. And that's continuing to be a hook given the pandemic of where people want to go. But then I thought about it, Anne, and you kind of alluded to it with your Menards reference and your, you know, tractor supply reference and all that. Um, and again, I say this to Nick, who I've known 15 plus years and is probably going to listen to this comment. So take what you take from it, what you will, Nick. But I would tread really carefully here, too. Mm. Um, you know, I would make sure you've got stipulations in the contract of what uh, Lowe's is allowed to do in these categories going forward. Um, sure. Make sure that what you are doing in those stores, Lowe's can't eventually do themselves, which is like why I like the addition of the vet services, because I think that yes. is hard for Lowe's to copy. But at the end of the day, you got to be watchful because this could be set up for what I would call made for, it could be made for essentially Lowe's learning and kicking you to the curb and copying very resolutely if you're not careful. So that's my watch out. But, you know, I think Petco has shown they've got a really good head on their shoulders and I imagine they're looking out for that stuff and the way they're structuring these relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good call out, Chris. The, the service element of this is really important. And Petco just announced this last week too, that they're rolling out other services, partnerships with Rover and other services. So, I mean, yes, keep that in mind. It's, I think it's definitely good advice, but, um, but yeah, I think that there's more that Petco is building on too, that they could provide in that same Lowe's setting, um, giving them more, more locations, more footprints for, for consumers. Yeah. So it is a pretty rapid rollout though. So if it starts working, there's going to be a lot of people at Lowe's that are like, Hmm, we can mm, do this ourselves. I like this. I like yeah. this. All right. Uh, Chris, Headline number five, according to the Wall Street Journal, instant delivery providers are losing an average of $20 per order. The news comes as at least six startups, including Gorillas, GoPuff, Joker, Gitteer, and Bike, are vying to win the chance to ferry groceries to customers within 10 to 20 minutes of their order placement on an app. Now, some of the companies are averaging a loss of over $20 per order when factoring in costs like advertising sources told the Wall Street Journal. Now, Fridge No More, another New York-based company that launched in 2020, um, as of September, its average order value was $33, according to a 2021 investor presentation viewed by the Wall Street Journal. And after paying for those products, for packing, for delivery, et cetera, it lost $3.30 on every order, which doesn't include the marketing costs. Um, that very same investor presentation uh, from Fridge No More said that they spent $70 on advertising Whoa. per customer in the 10 months through September of that year. Chris, these are some startling statistics. Everybody's freaking out about this everywhere that you're reading, um, saying, you know, what, what's going on with these instant delivery providers? They're never going to survive. What's, yeah. your, what's your take on this? Yeah, so I teased it before. And I think the, and I say that because I've seen this reference a couple of times in posts following that or other commentary or there other, other articles even written about this subject since the Wall Street Journal debuted this article. I, I, I don't love the reporting on this. I think it's very biased. It's biased in even how the headline is written. It doesn't look at the other angles and aspects to the business models at play yes. here. And specifically, I want to talk about the reference point to Cosmo.com that's at the end. But stepping back from all of that, here's what I would say. And it, it reminds me of something that a buddy of mine, Larry Wicken, told me yesterday, which is Sturgeon's Law, which he had heard Mark Andreessen <laughs> reference recently. And for those that aren't familiar with it, because I wasn't, and I had to look it up. And I am not. It's kind of cool. What and it's, it's basically that 90% of everything out there is crap. 
And I think that's what we're seeing here. Hmm. And when you think about all the startups and everything, that's true. Not, you know, probably more than that. 90% of them aren't going to work. Okay. So this headline in and of itself should not be a surprise. In fact, it should be exactly how things are playing out, that many people are struggling to find profitability because they're not yet at scale. But it also, therefore, is not a reason to poo-poo the whole concept because there's VC money to sustain it. As you talked about last week and I've talked about before, it's a very addictive experience. So if you can get people into it, it's going to make a ton of sense. Now, to the point about Cosmo, there's a lot of the, the Cosmo, for those who remember, it was the instant delivery service in New York in 2000. And, and the article is basically, that didn't work then. Why should this work now? Things are so much different now. Oh, God. Yeah, like that's You have mobile applications, display net, you have advertising networks that can come into play. You have differences in automation. You have the gig economy that come, come into play in this too. Like, let's not throw everything out now because of things that happened 20 years ago. That makes no goddamn sense to that me. That was pre-iPhone. Like, that's insane. Right. You can't even, like, that's just not even comparable. Right, right. But you, but I mean, that that's my take on this is like, yes, yes, of course that's what's happening. Because yeah. it's got $15 billion of VC funding to help people get to the scale. What else do you expect to see? Yeah, I, I get so angered by seeing these posts. I know it sounds ridiculous, but even when we were picking stories for this week, like I had to include this one because I think people just need to stop. Like take a pause. This instant delivery is still in its infancy. It's still in its very early years. It needs time to find those efficiencies that you were talking about and to determine what the right model is. And you're right. Not everybody's going to make it. There will be consolidation. Customer acquisition costs are high. That that's, goes without saying. Uh. But the concept is sticky and it will only continue to be. I mean, you know, Chris, our first bike order in New York, we got $20 off the order. And that was astonishing to me. We paid just delivery fee, you know, just the delivery fee and tip. But how many more times do we use it? And how many times have we talked about it on this podcast? How many people have we told about it? I just, I think that you, you're making judgments way too early. Um, And, you know, the last thing I'll say is this, this doesn't include things like subscription revenue. They didn't even mention it in that article. What happens when you have, you know, a DoorDash pass and that delivery becomes free or testing whether people are, are willing to pay more in fees for convenience down the road. Like you, that's not even brought up into this discussion. It's just immediately dismissing it. So, um, you know, share what your, your thoughts are listeners. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but I, I think it's way too early to be calling it quits on these guys. I mean, you just raised and who's a ton Sturgeon? Of... Yeah, right. <laughs> That's my second question. He was a science oh, fiction author that came about that. He was basically, for those who want to know the, the 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 origin of this, he was he was retorting against people that were complaining that science fiction is all baloney. And he's like, all you guys write about baloney. Science sure. fiction okay. is no different. And so, but the applicability to the, the VC world, I think, is really there. But and. You know, the other thing, I think you brought up a ton, of, a, ton, a ton of great points there in terms of other aspects that should have brought into the article, if you're going to write an article like that. Right. And then number two, I thought of something last night as I was like going to bed for this podcast, which is what I do. You know, I think about podcast ideas all the time or things to talk about. Cool. But like, yeah, it's super nerdy, right? Um, but your, the way you describe your experience to me with bike and, and GoPuff while we're in New York is, and I think this is really important is we're getting to a place here where it's like, I'm going to go puff it or I'm going to bike it. And Mm -hmm. somebody's going to win that action. And when that is a part of the conversation, that is really powerful, right? You can think like, I'm going to take an Uber. I'm going to take a Lyft. 
where yes. that becomes synonymous with I'm actually getting a taxi. Yes. Right. And that's 100%. going to happen here. Right. Like I, I we've never talked about that. But do you agree with that? I think that's for sure. Good, that's what's bound to happen here. And Uber just had their first profitable quarter after 13 years in existence last month. Like, give it a break, people. <laughs> All right, let's move to the lightning round. All right, let's go to the lightning round. Uh, Chris, I know you have no reason to go to the Super Bowl since your boy Tom Brady is out for good. But if you did, you would see the world's first autonomous restaurant, the Yokai Ramen Vending Robot. Um, <laughs> ignore all that could possibly go wrong with thousands of rowdy football fans and extremely hot liquids. But what do you think the over-under is for when autonomous restaurants become mainstream? Oh my God. Uh, mainstream, like ubiquitously used. Uh, I don't, I don't like know. You wouldn't be surprised to see an autonomous restaurant at a sporting event at a concert. Yeah. Like, you know, part of your everyday festival. life that people yeah. are interacting with them on their everyday life. Yeah. I, you know, I think anything, you know, for me, my, my time horizon, when I first start talking about innovations in retail and actually seeing them is like 10 to 15 years. So I think we're talking oh. QSR. I think it'll happen in QSR space first um, in the right product categories, but I think you're still talking 10 to 15 years out. And by fully autonomous, I still question that too. I think automation will just be a larger part of the experience. I don't sure. know if you'll ever have sure. fully autonomous, you know, over that time horizon either. But anyway, all right. Shipped replaced its CEO this week. And which was the better commercial? Kmart's I shipped my pants or Betty White's Snickers commercial? Shipped my pants 100%. 100, without yeah, question. Be, right? That's, that's such a classic. And Kmart right. did it. Oh, so I know. Cool. I know. And shipped with a T had nothing to do with it, surprisingly, <laughs> but just how we say it. All right. Uh, Chris lightning round question. Number three, David's bridal launched the equivalent of the Turkey hotline for weddings. Uh, the 24 seven hotline will provide styling and planning support for their customers. What emergency would you have called for help with on your wedding day, Chris? Oh my God. This one is so great. Uh, that one is easy. And my father-in-law getting so plastered on our wedding night that he lost his shoes. <laughs> Which actually happened. That that is oh a my true, God. true story. Yes, I think they found him eventually. For those that are curious, but yes, that was quite the trial and tribulation on, on oh the wedding night. Oh my God! Um, all right, and let's close this up. Sam's Club. Sam's Club. Excuse me. Added inventory scanning to its floor scrubbing robot fleet this past week. Jesus, there's a lot of hard things to say. What is one thing in your house that could use a good scrubbing? Oh my God! The boys' bathtub. I don't know what, honestly, it's like they go through like a dirt wash every day. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah, that is kind of gross. My we need dad to get the four-year-old trained yeah, in made, on that. Yeah, he made, my dad when I was a kid, I'll never forget, he made me like keep like swishing the water until it all went down just to like, and, like he wouldn't let me leave the tub and let me make <laughs> waves so it like wouldn't make the like black marks on the side as it like floated what? down. Yes, this is my father. This is what he made me do. Yes. Oh yes, my that's gosh, no wonder story. you are the way you are. <laughs> I know, goodness. right? Gives you, gives you some inclination, yes. Yeah, Although I am contemplating taking like the kids and making them do a scrub brush as the water is going yes. down around you're the You're actually going to start doing that now. I, I know. might, I might, I might. You're going to be like, I'm going to talk kid one and two. You're not getting out of this bathtub until you no. help make sure the water goes down the right way. All right, on that note, happy birthday today to Nathan Lane, Isla Fisher, and Warwick Davis, a.k.a. the one and only Willow. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omnitalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news, 
And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And it fits all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, as always, be careful out there. The Omnitalk Fast Five is a Microsoft-sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence. And is also brought to you in association with the AM Consumer and Retail Group. AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit sezzle.com.